Aloha, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Life Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis, and also the founder of the Holistic Health Mastery Online Nutrition Certification Course. You can find more information on that at holistichealthmastery.com. So I want to welcome everyone to this episode, and this is another edition of our special remastered interview series, and for everyone that has not heard the last two interviews that we had up with Sacred Steve Adler and Wade Lightheart, I definitely want to recommend that you guys check those out as soon as you're able to. Absolutely phenomenal conversations, and these interviews were picked by me from An old podcast I had in 2013 called The Expanded Health and Human Potential Radio Show. And I thought before I unveiled all the the new interviews with some of the world's leading experts, I wanted to bring some of these old um, archived interview audios for all of you guys since I've had them archived on my own database and just waiting for the perfect time to showcase them for people. That's what we're doing here right now, and this interview is with a man named Sean Stevenson, and by now you may have heard of him. He has his own podcast, a very, very successful podcast called The Sean Stevenson Model um, Radio Show, I believe, or podcast, and at the time of this interview, he wasn't as well known. I He had just came on my radar Um, a little bit before we actually got together and did this recording. And he's just somebody that I've watched really skyrocket in the fields of health and nutrition and someone that brings a lot to the table. And in this interview, we really go into some of the really like taboo topics of digestion and elimination and really go into depth on what's going on behind this whole gluten sensitivity, what's going on behind autoimmune conditions and how it starts in your small intestine, your large and small intestines and basically how certain foods are affecting your digestive environment and how that can actually create a bedding ground for invasive organisms and how some of that some of that situation can open up the gates for what we call autoimmune conditions. And that's really powerful information that I had been looking at for years. But at the time of this interview, it was perfect timing for me to have this conversation with him because I had been going through a little bit of fluctuation in my digestion and my elimination. And I was really seeking answers to some of the questions I had at this time. So Sean actually came on at the perfect time and really provided some insight. And from this interview, I'm really happy to say, I was able to get some nuggets of information and insight that I've since applied into my strategy. And one of the, it's one of the reasons this topic has become such an expertise of mine and I've shared with so many people over the years is because of having a conversation like this and, and getting some aha moments and realizing the universality of it when it comes to what most people are dealing with in their health situation. So that's one of the things that we go into. Um, we also talk about Sean's journey from how he got started and the health crisis that he actually had to contend with that led him into becoming an inspired voice for this message. So I'm excited to share this interview with you. Without further ado, Mr. Sean Stevenson. Enjoy. Hey everyone, this is Ronnie Landis and I'm bringing you another edition of the Expanded Health and Human Potential Radio Show. So today's episode, I have a guest that I have the utmost respect for and actually someone that I became aware of, uh, I think maybe a year and a half, two years ago, and 
Um, it, it's someone that I wasn't aware of before, but I, I, f- I saw a TED video that he did on one of my favorite topics, which is chocolate. And I was just something about his charisma, something about the way he delivered the information just kind of struck a chord with me. And I've been checking him out, uh, communicating with him here and there. And, um, yeah, uh, this gentleman is doing some amazing things in the field of health and nutrition and has a holistic point of view, which is always appreciated from my end. He brings in all the components of health into one nice package, and I'm going to let him tell you more about that. So without further ado, I want to bring on Mr. Sean Stevenson. Hi, Roddy. I really appreciate being on the show, man, and thank you so much for the appreciation and the gratitude, and and um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm looking to deliver some great content for everybody today. Yeah, right on. Yeah, um, yeah. I have some interesting topics that I want to dive into, <clears throat> and some insights that you know I, I want to get some clarification on. I think will be really, really helpful for the viewing audience. So the first thing that I want to talk about, you have a really um, inspiring health path. What initiated you on this path? So um, let's get into that. How did you begin yeah. your health your health journey? Well, it was. It was, it's that story, you know, the, the hero's journey. You know, I kind of got thrust into this unexpectedly, and I had no idea that my life was going to turn out this way. So I was in, in college at the time and looking at getting into business and finance, and my goal was to be, you know, some a CFO or something like that, something t- that I have no interest in whatsoever, but that's just what I thought I was supposed to do. And when I was 20 years old, uh, I was, uh, you know, I was playing football. I was an aspiring athlete, and everything seemed just great. And then, seemingly overnight, I started to have a hard time walking. And the I thought it was something to do with my hamstring, you know, my my leg, but the pain just continued. And eventually, I went to my doctor. And it was actually I had a job, and it was a company doctor. And it was very strange that he had me going for an MRI when it was my leg. But, you know, I did what he said. I went in and got my MRI done, and then I came back to see him. He put the MRI up for me to see, and he showed me my disc and my back were herniated and very, very degenerated. So he actually told me that I had a disease called degenerative disc disease. And so when he told me all this, it was like totally a different language to me at the time. And so I was I was used to working with my trainer, you know, playing sports. So I was like, okay, so what do we do, Doc? You know, let's fix this thing. And he kind of looked at me like like I was just absurd. And he was just like, I'm sorry, son, there's nothing we can do for this. And it didn't register to my brain that he said that. So I asked him again. So I said, so should we change my diet? Should we change the way I'm exercising? You know, so what do we need to do? And he said, look, son, you have the spine of an 80-year-old. There's really nothing we can do for this. We can manage it, and you might be uh, a candidate for surgery in the near future, but right now, this is something that, you know, this is just something you're going to have to live with. And in that moment, man, I mean, my whole world came crashing down because up to that point that day, I was just in pain all the time, and it was so absurd to me. So to make a long story a little bit shorter, I, I went through seeing five different doctors and getting their opinion and I got the same feedback, you know, bed rest, take this medication, uh, wear a back brace and just, you're going to have to live with it. And, you know, so my world, even though looking back on it, you know, I've kind of erased this word from my vocabulary, but I was depressed. I was definitely depressed looking back on it. And at the time, you know, all I knew to do was what the doctor told me to do. So I laid around on my floor I got really good playing video games, you know, playing Madden and whatnot. But other than that, you know, my my whole life was really deteriorating around me. And it wasn't until one night when I was sitting, I was about to go to bed. And let me tell you, Ronnie, this was the last time that I can remember my life. I was taking medication and this was about 13, 14 years ago. And I had I literally had to drug myself to be able to sleep because the pain was so bad if I just change position while I was sleeping, the pain would wake me up. So it was this really bad sciatic pain would shoot down my leg. And it was really embarrassing, actually, because if I'd be walking on campus, sometimes I'd get that electric jolt, and it made me look like I had some nervous tick or something, and it was just, you know, it was a bad time. So anyways, 
was about to take the medication. I sat on my bed and I had had this practice where I was asking unconsciously in my mind, you know, why me? Why won't anybody help me? Why is this happening to me? And just creating more depression because of those questions. In that moment, I decided that I'm going to ask some empowering questions. And I don't know why, where it came from. So I asked, you know, what is it that I need to do to heal myself? What is it that I need to do for this pain to be free and out of my body once and for all? And I sat and I made a decision in that moment that I was not going to sit there and let my life be taken away from me because some doctors told me that this was my lot in life, that I was subject to a life of pain. And that night, some kind of, I I don't really know how to explain it, but it was like some revelation happened. And I slept through the night without medication for the first time in two years. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned this, it was two and a half years went by of this pain. Mm, And I I woke up the next morning and put in place a plan. I, I set out to do a lot of the things they were telling me not to do. I set out to exercise, to change the way I was eating, and to just get back to living life again. And the funny thing is, in the very beginning, that first doctor told me it had nothing to do with what I was eating. I didn't have to change my diet, but he gave me pills to put into my mouth, Right. you know, and the food was going in my mouth, but it had nothing to do with it. So it was just absurd. And so to, to make it really short, it took six weeks, Ronnie, and the pain was completely gone. It was as if nothing had ever happened. I lost 30 pounds because just laying around. I had put on some some weight, you know, and I'm a naturally kind of thinner guy, but I had gotten up to around 200 pounds and, you know, I'm not super tall, you know, so it's like a lot of my frame, you know, so it's just, I was just very puffy and inflamed and all that was gone. And, um, Ronnie, a book had actually landed in my lap. And, you know, what's said is that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Right. And it was a book by Herman Ayara, and it was called Acid and Alkaline. Ah. And in that book, he specifically said, when you're in this state of acidosis, your body's going to start leaching calcium from your bones to aid in other processes. So your body needs calcium to, for your blood to clot, for example. That's, that takes a priority over your bones. Yeah, your body, exactly. Your body really works on a hierarchy. You know, the, the most important jobs have to get done first. So your body could care less about you losing weight and losing fat if it's trying to deal with, you know, some kind of um, uh, cardiovascular disease, for example. You know, your body's going to take care of what it needs to first. So it's said in the book specifically, when your body's in a state of acidosis, it will first pull the calcium from your hips and from your spine. And two years prior to my so-called injury and disease diagnosis, I'd actually broken a part of my hip just running track, doing a time trial. So both of those places had gotten hit. And nobody out there, none of these so-called experts had told me that this had something to do with my diet and being incredibly deficient in certain things. So um, from there, I changed my diet around quite a bit and focused more on the whole alkalinity aspect of diet. And, you know, because of that, what I went through, people saw that and on campus and people started to ask, you know, Sean, how did you do this? How did you change your body so quickly? And that's where my career began. You know, people started asking me for help and it felt so good to help other people when, you know, oftentimes they've been given this diagnosis that they couldn't do it. And I'm somebody, I'm walking, talking experience that you can be given a diagnosis that's so-called incurable, but that doesn't have the final say. That is not something that has to be your truth. And I'm a walking example of that. And it really resonates, I'm sure, and what connected with you and how, how I speak and, and the way that I carry myself. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's an incredible story. It brings up a few things. You mentioned uh, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, which is an incredible theme in our world. And it brings up this point in relation to your story is that what's interesting to me is that, you know, I've been an athlete all my life. And that's exactly how I got into this through through a knee surgery. And you know, for your situation, it was a very extreme debilitation where I'm, I'm curious if, if there was a, if there was a cause, like obviously 
there's a there's a nutritional yeah. um, and the yeah. acidosis cause. But I'm, I'm curious, like, is there's a bigger there's a bigger theme that I'm getting to with this? Is I'm curious of like what actually would have caused such a degenerate degenerative uh, condition? Um, Great question. Okay, so there's two two main aspects here, Ronnie. That's a fa- fantastic question. The first aspect is your genetic weakness. Yeah. Okay. So your body, we all have some kind of predisposition genetic weaknesses. And when we're out of balance, things are going to go wrong there first. And we, we, I know that you're very versed in epigenetics, understanding that your genetics do not have the final say. It depends on your environment. You know, the environment internally and externally are going to determine whether or not certain genes get read. And I had very close genetic weakness for my bones to become my bones and my tissues to start breaking down. My grandmother had very severe back problems, which I had no idea about until much later, as well as, you know, some other people in my family. So that was it. It was my genetic weakness. And so that's part one. Part two is our bodies are very um, complex, but yet very simple. It's just like building anything. You need the raw materials. You know, so if you're lacking the raw materials that your body actually needs to rebuild you, to actually build the tissues, to actually create the discs, you're you're going to be totally out to lunch. You're not going to be you're not going to have the ability to do it. Your body's going to be robbing Peter to pay Paul trying to fix things, but it's not going to have the raw raw materials. I hope that makes sense. Absolutely. So, for me starting to understand this stuff much later and I've been able to help so many people with chronic back issues. I mean, that's been one of my main things, you know, here in my clinic as well. So your discs in your back are non-vascular. Okay. So that means that blood and nutrition and, and hydration are not easily going there. They actually get into your disc through a process similar to like, um, an osmosis process. Mm. Okay. So what's going on is, this is the last place to get this kind of nutrition. So you have to literally like super hydrate yourself. First of all, I mean, those discs, that fluid, it's predominantly made of water. Your body changes it into some, you know, different substances and structure, but it's made of water. So I know I didn't have my water game up, which is so sense. I mean, so simple and so commonsensical now, but I might've drank, I don't know, maybe two glasses of water a day back then. And man, just to be straight with you, I was probably, and why I'm so good at what I do, I, I'm probably the worst ever as far as what I was eating. Yeah, you know? yeah. I didn't, I didn't eat a salad, Ronnie, until I was 25. It was the first time I ever ate I didn't salad. even know what a vegetable was. Uh-huh. So it's all about ketchup and macaroni and cheese and pizza and fast food. And, you know, uh, if broccoli snuck in, it had cheese on it, you know. So I was, I was just not doing well as far as what I was providing my body as far as the raw materials. And once I switched over... <clears throat> to focusing on real food and getting all this amazing nutrient-dense food in my body. It's just like this seeming magic happened, but my body was just thanking me for finally giving it the stuff it needed. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, we definitely have a parallel story there. And, I, and the, the second thought of my question was that, um, not necessarily a question, but it's an interesting idea is that um, seeing where you are now and how you're you're such a big voice, um for you know for health and for human potential it's interesting how it started because it's not something that it was like it was kind of um accumulative you know what i mean where it's just kind of like for me it was just like aches and pains and i and my stubborn self just kind of ignored it and then it became a bigger problem but in your case it was this huge catalyst that actually caused you to um reroute your life and to do what you're doing now yeah, it was a, a definitely a complete breakdown for sure. Yeah, that's interesting how the um, whatever word you want to use, the universe, the world, the world uh, kind of puts these things in our lap, and we have to contend with it. And by contending with yeah. it, we develop the skill sets to help other people do it. Yeah, I, I feel that you know personally, <clears throat> I feel that I was a good vessel for this to come come through mm-hmm. because I was so unassuming. I was a very quiet person. You know, a lot of people in school, even in college, if they would see me out somewhere and I would talk, people on multiple occasions would be like, you talk? I th- literally <laughs> thought you didn't have a voice. Like some people thought I was mute. 
because I wouldn't say anything. Wow. And so, but the thing is, the gift in that is I spent the majority of my life listening and really paying attention and watching people and, 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 and noticing certain patterns and all these kind of things. So oftentimes my clients or people I work with would say that I'm in, intuitive and I, I enjoy that word. However, for me, you know, with my man brain, I'm like, what does that really mean? Right. And the best definition that I've ever been presented with, with one of my dear friends is that it, intuition is really advanced pattern recognition. Mm, mm. Okay. So I had that quality already instilled in me and I just needed that breakdown to happen. I needed, I needed to have that breakdown to have a breakthrough and something that Michael Beckwith said back in the day and uh, always stuck with me was that God doesn't call the qualified, God qualifies the call. Uh, <laughs> wow, that's phenomenal. That's yeah. phenomenal. Wow. Okay. Well, um, with all that said, let's jump into one of our key topics here. And I know it's something you're really interested in as of lately, and I'm going to be transparent right now for the time that we're on this call. Um, and, and this is going to, I think it's going to be helpful for people in, in, you know, I'm very heavy in the raw food community, but also branching out into the holistic community. Um, you know, I, you mentioned something about epigenetics, and, it, and as soon as you said it, Sean, it just clicked in my head. I, I have been visiting with my parents um, before I go do this this East Coast tour that I'm going to get off to do. And one thing, I've I just started looking around the house, and there is nothing but congestion, like to the extreme, like beyond human you know, imagination, unless you're seeing it. And I, and I've been dealing the last couple of weeks or so, it's been like, things have been feeling a little backed up, not really sure what's going on. And I'm looking around and I'm like, Whoa, wait a minute. Is there must be something I've been studying this for a while, but sometimes you're too close to the material. Someone else has to say it for it to click. And, uh, so, um, the topic we're going to talk about right now is, um, constipation. Yeah. 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 Ronnie, that's great. And I, and one thing I want to say and just hand it over to you is that the, what I'm really concerned about and what I'm feeling like is the biggest breakdown, um, physiologically and psychologically for people in our society is what's called auto intoxication. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a huge issue. Um, Ronnie, first of all, I have to, um, you are truly an advanced human being. You are a very evolved human being just to be at the place that you are where people are looking to you and to still say, you know what? I'm still a student and I still have questions because all of the great ones, myself included, we do that. You know, when it's time, you know, we reach out or we connect with other people. We ask our questions and we get the feedback. That's what really makes the great people great. And so let's go ahead and dive into this topic. So I've had a ton of experience with this over the years. It was one of the things, the first things that uh, actually got presented to me. Now, my greatest teacher, my greatest teacher is my mother-in-law. Mm. This woman changed my life. And I mean, I love her so much. Um, so it was, I was 22 and a half when I had this whole revelation and I got well from my, from my so-called disease diagnosis when I was 20. When I was 24, I met my wife-to-be and I met her mother. You know, so it was about a year and a half into this, and I was a strength conditioning coach at the time, and I thought I knew everything. You know, I was this this guy working at the gym and working with all these people, and I was helping change people's lives. But honestly, Ronnie, at the time, it was like 50-50 with my clients being able to maintain the results they got. Mm. And so my mother-in-law, she actually studied at Ann Wigmore's Institute down in Puerto Rico. Okay, so... I walk into the house and meet them for the first time. It's like wheatgrass trays and all this weirdness. And I'm like, what's up with your mom? You know, what is she, what is she talking about? And, um, you know, at the time I couldn't really hear what she was talking about, nor was I really interested in it. But for whatever reason, she was really interested in me. And, and, and that's not normal for a mom to just automatically be interested in a guy that the daughter's dating. But she she picked up that I was interested in helping people. So that's why she kind of positioned things. And she's very compassionate. You know, when you're talking to a guy a lot of the time, you can't tell us anything. You have to yeah. put, create a You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You have to create a situation to where we ask, you know. 
So that's what she did. She was very gentle and compassionate and, and patient. And she just created a situation where, you know, I start to ask questions. So for me, Ronnie, um, even though I'd gotten well, I was still dealing with this asthma and occasional like hay fever every year. And one day I was really suffering and I was almost at a point where I was going to go into the ER because at night, you know, people with hay fever, they know they, they experience this. At night it gets much worse and you just want to knock yourself out so that you can wake up and feel better and kind of like you're choking and, and trying to go to sleep, but you can't really breathe. So I was over at their house and I was, she was asking, you know, so I heard something's going on with you. I was like, yes, yeah, this weather. And she looked at me and she said, so is it something out there or is it something in you? And it just like blew my mind. Like it was like just totally just twisted up my thinking. Like, what am I talking about? Something out here. It's something within me that's allowing this to take place. And for me, the big revelation was that, you know, allergies were a sign of a toxic body. And so she, she put me onto this venture with, with cleansing and with, um, with juicing and all these wonderful things. So I have about, you know, 10 years experience with that. And ultimately, you know, I, I seen some situations with, you know, working with clients with different cancers and heart disease and diabetes and all these things. And these have been wonderful tools that I've been able to bring to the table. And I've seen some, man, I mean, just seemingly miracles happen on multiple occasions. So, um, colon cleansing was one of the first things that got presented to me. So I started to study because at that point I was a person who would really take the baton. Like if you give me something, I'm going to find out to the nth degree how it works. So I started to study the digestive tract and even though I spent an experiment of about three and a half years, Ronnie, of just completely, there was no cheat for me. I was 100% raw food for three and a half years. And I wanted to find out what that does. What is that going to do for my body? And some of the great things that I pulled away from that experience were um, starting to understand that, oh, yes, getting all that wonderful vegetable matter through your digestive tract is awesome. However, there has to be a balance. Right. And this is where things really get very, very strange at because people in our society are tend to be very over acidic, you know, just the, the, the plethora, plethora of animal products, the grain products. Um, you know, you go to a fast food place and you get fries, that's acidic. You get the burger, that's acidic. The bread is acidic and the soda that's acidic. So it's just complete acidosis. So when people get onto this other way of being, we get, we tend to get too far off into the other side of this alkalinity. Absolutely. and for me, it's like this yin and yang, and that's what um, that book presented me with, and that balance. So when someone's digestive tract starts to get off, and they're in there, somebody who's more radiantly healthy, and they've experienced this peak health, and they've been focusing on you know juicing and herbs and all these awesome things, I look at first, okay, we're probably in a state where you might be actually funny enough to alkaline alkalosis. Yeah. So, and here's here's what's going on when we're when we're moving through the digestive tract, so okay, so let's go through the digestive tract really briefly, just simply. Um, so you eat the food. Number one, you're chewing. The digestion starts even before it's in your mouth. You know, just even looking at food starts the the stomach juices and all that whole thing. But then we'll talk about the physical aspect. You start chewing, and you're mixing that food with your information, your DNA and RNA is in your saliva. It's kind of encoding that food. Your food is getting familiar with you. <clears throat> before you swallow and it gets into your body. So that helps with assimilation, which is very important. So one of the first things also that she brought to my attention, my, my wonderful mother-in-law was chewing my food, you know? So I went from, I can go into a Denny's and be out in 10 minutes. And that includes sitting and ordering, you know, like I would slam the food and I'm out the door, you know, to where I just, every time we ate anywhere we ate, no matter what the occasion Sean is always the last one to finish by like an hour, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm sitting there with my food and just, and it's just what, it, how it is. So we start to have to rearrange my, my life. Like we had to be at a movie, you know, like make sure Sean has enough time to eat. And that's just, I made it a priority, you know, and it became comfortable and it felt good. It wasn't something I was forcing myself to do. So that's number one. Then we hit the, the esophagus, it gets down to your stomach and your stomach should be like 
an inferno. Yes. You know, it should be like the hydrochloric, all the acid should just be hitting that stuff because that is your number one means of protecting you from stowaways, from parasites, from unfriendly things to get into your body. Your stomach needs to hit that stuff up and kill stuff. Okay. So when we're bringing a lot of alkalinity into that environment and not just into the stomach environment, but you know, eventually it starts to change the way our blood is constructed and just changes our body overall. It can start to weaken that, that's that those stomach, those stomach, um, those stomach juices basically. So that's the other place Then we move basically just to make this real simple to small intestine, large intestine, colon, small intestine, a lot of actions taking place. This is where all the, the, the real assimilation takes place. This is where your microvilli is located. And these are like these little finger-like substances that start to pull nutrients into your body. Because when we eat food, when you put stuff in your mouth, it's not actually in you yet. It's like a tube inside of you, you know, from your mouth to your anus. It's like this, this hose. And so the food doesn't actually get into you unless your body pulls it in. It allows it to come in and pulls it in. And so food particles need to be in a certain state for that to happen. And mainly like the amino acids, for example, your body has had millions of years of evolution to be able to recognize amino acids and pull them in. What I've seen in my clinic, Ronnie, is that consistently people who are like on the standard American deal, they come into my office and they've had these crazy digestive disturbances for years and they've seen all these experts and no one can help them and I'm, I get them better within two weeks mm-hmm. because what I found is that there's a compound in a lot of grains, in particular in wheat and breads called lectins alright, and these lectins have this very strange ability, it's like an anti-nutrient built into the plant to protect the plant okay, so Because plants don't have legs. They can't get up and run from you. So they need protective mechanisms for themselves as well. So these lectins, they don't get broken down by our stomach juices. They get into our small intestine and they have this strange ability to force their way, to bore their way through your intestinal wall and kind of break through your microvilli without them allowing them and pulling them in. So they they can push their way in and create gaps or holes. Like if you lace your fingers together and take a look at the inside of your hand, mm-hmm. that's kind of how your small intestine is, is looking. So then you start to pull your fingers apart. And that's what starts to happen when you're introducing things like lectins into your gut. It starts to open up your gut wall. And that's something that's commonly known as leaky gut syndrome. All right. So not only are we creating a situation where dangerous foods and complete proteins can get in your body and eventually be causing things like autoimmune diseases, this is also tearing up your digestion in a very critical part as well. So I'm going to come back to that in one second, if that's okay. Absolutely. And talk, can I talk a little bit about the uh, autoimmune stuff? Please, real quick, it's, your, it's your, your platform. Okay, so when you introduce, say for example, you've, you've eaten a, um, a piece of bread and you, know, you created this um, leaky gut situation, not a piece of bread, but you've consistently been eating bread. Now, those complete proteins from that bread, or not complete proteins, but uh, protein structures are in your bloodstream, and your body does not allow complete proteins just to be floating around. To your immune system, that's going to look like a virus or a parasite or some kind of nefarious substance that needs to go and kill. So it will go and attack it, and you would think that all is well then. I can eat my French toast and my donuts, and I'm okay. But that's not how it works. Your body is very evolved and intelligent. So anything that looks similar to that structure that you just consumed, it will go and attack as well. So say the amino acid sequence, I'm just going to give just fake, just make one up. The amino acid sequence from that bread compound is AABB, right? That's the building block. Those are the proteins. Now, so your immune system goes and destroys AABB. Now, the crazy thing is your thyroid might have some tissue or part of its structure that has AABBCC. Part of it looks like something it just killed. So your immune system will go and start to attack your own thyroid. And what that is right there, that's Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So, and that can be for any part of your body, wherever your genetic weakness tends to be, your body can start to go and break you down. You know, asthma is an autoimmune disease, Uh, rheumatoid arthritis, 
There's and the list goes on and on. And so many people are unaware that it's largely related to this leaky gut situation. And healing the gut is paramount in in reversing autoimmune diseases. So I'm going to close that chapter now and come back to the gut. So small intestine gets damaged. Then we get into the large intestine and colon. And this is really your body's sewage treatment facility. So if things are problematic there, it's going to affect the whole system. And that's what you were talking about, the the, um, auto intoxication. All right. Because there are nerve endings in your colon that branch out through your entire body, even to your brain. So if you've got impacted waste in your colon or waste that's not moving, it's literally clogging up communication throughout your brain, throughout your, to, to your heart, to, to the rest of your body. And, you know, basically, you know, you are what you eat and you've heard this before, but your colon is a place where it's trying to pull in the last bits of nutrients that it can from the food you ate. But if it's stagnant there, then it's literally going to be eating the crap that's just been laying around in your in your in your colon. So it's going to be feeding you that crap. And this is why a lot of people that have auto intoxication they feel crappy, they think crappy thoughts, they talk a bunch of crap. You know, it's just, but they don't know why. They can't really find a way to get out of it. It's just, yeah, they're full of it. Exactly. So. Now, now, with all that said, we want to understand, okay, so our body is working from this top to bottom kind of function. Now, this is how I approach it when individuals are, are dealing with um, constipation. The first thing we look at is what's actually helping to form the, the waste that we need to move out. And that in and of itself is the bacteria that are in your body. Okay. So we need to have a wide range of healthy, friendly flora that's going to help our body to produce and create healthy poop, basically, all right? Mm-hmm. So now by us getting into a state where we're too alkaline, you know, we took acidophilus, acid, lactobacillus, you know, so we're acid-loving. So we need to have more of an acid environment, not all the time, but we need to be in balance. So... For people to get those um, healthy flora into their body, there are a ton of ways to do this, but it's still going to come back to the diet to support it, Ronnie. So number one, obviously, I'm going to go with food first. So looking at traditional cultured foods, cultured vegetables, sauerkraut, kimchi, um, natto, and I'm not a big fan of soy fermented things, but they can be helpful for some people. Um, so the miso, um, cultured things like, um, kefir is becoming much more popular now. Coconut, coconut water, kefir, uh, coconut yogurt, or if you're doing milk, so raw milk, you can make kefir out of that as well. And that's been used for a long, long time. Um, it's really going to depend on the person around you. It's not going to be a silver bullet, but somebody's going to have to experiment and find out what's going to help them have that good belly. What's going to have them help, help them have that good feeling a good gut environment with the bacteria that they consume. Um, so, so then we look to, okay, uh, now what about the probiotic supplements? Um, well, I've experimented with so many of them. I really like Dr. O'Hara's probiotics. I remember I was out there in, in LA back in the day, Beverly Hills, Irwan, and that's where I first saw him. And it's just like, what? These are like 80 bucks? It's crazy. I was like, it must be worth it. So I started to use them. Of course, they're much less um, expensive now, but they they have an actual, it takes three years fermentation process to make them. It's a very conscientious process to make those capsules. And um, so I've found that across the board, it's helped a lot of people, not for everybody again. you know. So you can experiment with the probiotics and whatnot too, but the, your best idea is going to be with food. And then we have to look at the diet that supports it. So now we talk about prebiotics. Now, if somebody's consuming um, far too many vegetables, which sounds crazy, they can get into a state of you know being too alkaline. So we want to make sure that we're getting some acid-forming foods in there. And it depends on your genetics. It depends on your beliefs. It depends on a lot of different factors. And I'm sorry I'm not going to be that person that just tells everybody, do this, do that, do that. But in my experience, everybody's so unique, you know, but there's these categories of things that we can experiment with. So um, I would look at, okay, am I getting uh, a nice amount of more acid type of food? So, you know, the nuts and seeds are going to be 
okay, like for people with a vegan and vegetarian approach, um, for people who are doing more of um, an, an indigenous type of diet strategy or just looking at what their ancestors ate. Like my wife and my mother-in-law from Kenya, you know, from Africa. So they're very close to hunter-gatherers. So having those animal foods is just a part of their culture. And it's something that they have a long history of doing. Even though the raw foods has been a huge component of their health, just having those small amounts of animal foods have been very helpful with keeping them healthy, um, generally as applied to them. You know, so we want to be in balance here. You want to have the right ratio and not go too crazy with the juicing and the smoothies and all those kind of things. So, Ronnie, the last thing I'm going to mention really quickly, because I know I've done, I went multiple directions here, is um, in my three and a half years of just doing 100% raw, raw living foods, um, when I start to eat more cooked foods, when I incorporated you know, a few animal products into my diet, I found that my digestion was extremely weak, extremely weak. Yeah. And it was a result of me having exclusively, because honestly, Ronnie, I felt the best. I felt so good when I was just on that much lighter, when I was just having juice and having, having liquid, liquid nutrition, basically having smoothies. So, and, and you know, elixirs and things like that. So, but when I started to eat more whole foods, real foods again, I mean, it was really hard for me. It was hard for my digestion and things had to switch over. It took a, a time for everything to switch over and get strong again. And for some people, so that, what I might say there is you might need to add in some um, uh, betaine, so betaine hydrochloride, mm-hmm. so taking a supplement or um, just some enzymes generally are going to be helpful, but something that helps to strengthen that digestive fire, firepower. And the betaine hydrochloride, um, which one do I use? Super enzymes from Now Foods. I like them. They also have the ox bile in there. And so that's going to help to increase the heat. And what I would recommend is start off with two hmm. and then see if you feel the warmth when you're eating in your stomach or shortly thereafter. And if you don't, then chances are your digestive digestive firepower is a little bit weak. So try three, try four, keep adding them in until you feel that warmth. And for me, it took me up to like six or seven. And finally, like, okay, now I know what it feels like to feel that warmth and digestion again. Yeah. But it doesn't, the funny thing is it doesn't create a dependency. It starts to kind of remind your body to produce that stuff. So I was able to ratchet back and now I don't really need them. I, I might have them occasionally if I go out to eat or something like that. But, you know, getting that digestive firepower stronger in the stomach first before it gets to the rest of the, the, the machine. Because oftentimes we focus on the colon and people start looking at, I need to do colon hydrotherapy, keep flushing, flushing, flushing. But that can be helpful. But at the same time, that's not how your digestive system normally works. We need to go from the top down. You know, so it starts with chewing your food well and then getting that strong digestion again. Yeah, it's, <laughs> um, I feel like in a lot of ways this was a personal consultation because so interestingly enough um, – you know, I've been through the different the different layers of this conversation. I've been through the massive enzymatic um, supplementation. I mean, like high quality enzymes too. And I've been through the the HCL and actually um, the Now product you just mentioned to me. Um, I did that years ago, and it made a massive effect. But then I, you know, you just triggered that in me again. But this other one that I was using didn't isn't doing anything. Yeah, and yeah. Um, this is such a key conversation for myself and for the viewers because what what I think happens is obviously the alkalosis conversation comes in. I've seen this with like overabundance of alkaline water and and um, in a way denaturing the the natural production of acids. One of the things in the raw food field, and I've said this for years too, is like things like celery helps you promote more hydrochloric acid because of the natural salts but there's also the the intense alkalinity of it too so i feel like there's this kind of you're playing this like tightrope game and um at the the end of this thought is just reaffirming what you said is that you know raw food is the blueprint and from my perspective it's the blueprint for human nutrition i don't think there's any denying that as much as some people like to try um i think that's really what we're designed to eat primarily but then there's the other 
condiments, if you will. There's the other attributes that are important for the homeostasis or the balance point. You know, it's like, what are we going to, and this is going to be the next topic I want to, I want to dive into you with is, um, how, how can we achieve with all the dietary philosophies, ideologies, and, you know, all the different perspectives out there that seem to be kind of like on an, you know, in many cases can be kind of extreme and not really accessible over the long term. How can we develop a homeostasis within our, our day to day life? Ronnie, that's a, that's an amazing question. And what I feel it really boils down to is something that's so far out of reach for people seemingly but it's the most intimate thing that we can possibly do, which is to honestly listen to your body, to honestly listen. Yeah. So oftentimes, because we get into a religious dogma about our diet, we fail to actually pay attention to those signs and signals from our bodies that, hey, something is not right here. Something is off. And we need to consider that maybe my idea about what I should be eating could possibly be a little bit off and just consider exploring it and don't get so far into our religiosity that we start to hurt ourselves you know so that's what i really feel it boils down to is first and foremost listening to our body um you know and honestly at this point you know i really feel that i've brought the best of all these worlds together and for a time period especially while i was really focus on the raw food. You know, I would attract more clients at the time who it was really extremely helpful for, but there were still some people that I couldn't help. Now my success rates are just off the charts because I have all these tools to pull from. And I still juice. I still make my elixirs. I still do so many amazing things. But for me, I'm just so much more in balance by having the other things that help to create homeostasis for me personally which is going to be different for each person. And, you know, so I'm a big believer in, in raw food and raw food nutrition, superfood nutrition as, as, as a reset, you know, it helps to reset everything, you know, but at that point, we oftentimes we cannot live there, you know, because if we don't live in the ideal, just even the conditions we live in, I did that in Missouri, in St. Louis, Missouri, where the winters are brutal, the summers are brutal, but, you know, so I'm going through three years, you know, three plus years of winters here having, (laughs) having this cold food, you know? And, and the thing is I was so passionate and focused on what I was doing. There was no other option, but it was one of those winters. It was that final straw for me is actually when my wife uh, was pregnant with our son, where things start to change. I really started to look at, okay, I'm running this experiment for myself, but do we want to run this experiment for our kid? Because things were not feeling, I wasn't paying attention as much to how I was feeling versus my ideas. Yeah. And so what I began to do was kind of start to break down those, those barriers I had in my mind and gave myself permission to experiment and try some of the things that I thought, well, I told myself were off limits and for me, Ronnie, the first two, two years that I was 100% living foods i felt like nobody could tell me anything it's like those two years yeah yeah i felt so good all the time i required very little sleep i was just crushing it i was just at this amazing state and after that things started like the wheels started to fall off and i'm somebody who i'm very diligent about experimenting and finding other ways of fixing this thing you know this issue i'm having and i tried People say they try everything. I literally try like everything. <laughs> now I remember being at a raw spirit fest. Uh, maybe it was in 2007, maybe 2006, and I heard uh, Dr. James Sheridan speak. Yeah. And at the time, I was full on raw food, and you know, I was locked in. And maybe it was like six months for me or something. I might have these dates off a little bit, but. And he was talking and he said, you know, he believes that 100% is not ideal. Mm-hmm. And he said that, you know, for him, 80% is going to be ideal and change the season to season. And I heard this guy with all this experience and working with all these people. And I was just like, ah, he's doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, it should be. <laughs> That's I'm always doing the comeback. <laughs> right. So I'm doing 100% and I'm feeling great. This guy, he just doesn't know his stuff. And <laughs> lo and behold, you know, I reached that, that threshold and, and things begin to to change for me. So, 
Um, so basically, Ronnie, what I'm saying is homeostasis, bottom line for every person is going to be different. And I really want to call out to everybody to just allow yourself to listen to your body. Okay, not the images that you see on the internet, not the stuff you hear about on TV. And if all else fails, look to what your ancestors ate, you know, your closest ancestors, because honestly, man, I feel that <laughs> we don't have any idea where this whole story actually got started. Yeah. We have any idea what the perfect human food is. Humans have tried to eat everything for sure. <laughs> and what we do have to rely on is what our ancestors have shared and carried on through the generations. And those are kind of our safest bets, you know, but then Ronnie, people like you and I, and people that your community um, is full of are people that are looking at like, okay, so what's the next level? Exactly. You know, let's get to that. Well, let's talk about that. Let's start this conversation. And it starts with first, we can't get to the next level until we're fully grounded in this level. <laughs> you understand? We've got to get grounded here. We have to fully descend into this body and get this thing strong and just in flow. But, and, and that's different from being in that high I was in. Yeah. Because, you know, I can be very, now it's, it's this amazing balance. I still have that connection, but I'm much more grounded. I feel rooted. I feel strong and solid. And now from here, I'm at a place where I can say, okay, now let's start this ascension. That that is so beautifully put, and that's exactly that's really exactly where I'm at in this whole thing. And it's interesting because I was talking to Doctor Seamus or Doctor Sheridan a while back in L.A., and we had that same conversation. And I've heard him speak many times at different places, and I've I've heard that, and I always felt like the same kind of little resistance, but at the same time, I knew he was kind of right, yeah. um, and. Yeah, it's just it's just a very interesting conversation to have. Um, I, I want to ask you too. Um, you know, what are some of those? Some because you know, there's the whole. Then then this opens up the door for someone like me, where there's this whole other conversation going on on like no grains, the grainless diet, grain damage, and and now I just saw an article which I I fundamentally disagree with but I just saw an article some whoever wrote um, referring to like um, like the paleo diet and he was talking about quinoa which is coated with a type of saponin and um, talking about how it, it makes insertions in your gut leaky gut syndrome and this and that and I'm just like okay so where do we go with all that right right you know, I was right there when quinoa first started to hit the hit the store shelves and, and start to get popular. And I actually mentioned it in my book, too, as one of the, the superfoods. But, you know, it really comes back again to our genetics. It comes back to what feels good for us. True, you know, there are some saponins in there. And there are saponins that are helpful and there are some that are harmful. But it just depends on you. A lot of people like quinoa is awesome for them. You know, yeah. we can't just go and throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. That's what I got that from Jamie Sheridan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can't do that just because, you know, there's this, oh, we found this thing here. And it's just people trying to justify their beliefs. They're trying to justify trying that to all grains are it. bad, Yeah. you know, and like, okay, we found this thing in this grain and it's bad for you. Right. When that's not necessarily true. There are, even when I'm talking about wheat, you have to use your, your better judgment and understand like, Wheat is a wild, like there's a whole plethora of different wheats that we can be talking about. But the wheat that we have today, the stuff that people are eating, is not like what was in the biblical days, for sure. We know that. You know, this is genetically modified dwarf weed that will tear you up, you know, for most people. And I was there when, like, there was no, I was shopping at Whole Foods, you know, 11 years ago or whatever. But in my area, you know, in the Midwest, we tend to be like a little bit later when we pick stuff up. So I would shop there with, um, I was the only person in the store and be like me and some random old guy, you know, we're like, Hey, what's up? You know? And there weren't, there weren't people there. now it's packed, you know, just packed full of people. And I start to see like these gluten-free things back then. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. What's the deal with this gluten thing? And 
man, lo and behold, people have been suffering by their exposure to these foods for so long, and now all of a sudden it's popular. Like, oh, everybody has a gluten sensitivity. It's a trend now. You know, whereas the thing, the question is, was it not a problem before? You know, we don't need to, to have tests done to find out, like, this food is causing me a problem. Just eat the food and notice how you feel. Pull the food out and notice how you feel. You know, if you stop eating grains for two weeks and you get rid of, like, 10 pounds and you're not puffy anymore, your stomach isn't bloated, then, yeah, I think that that was a good idea to pull that out. So, um, Ronnie, one other thing that I want to talk mention is, um, you know, so we talked about the probiotics. So the gut, the, uh, the um, bacteria in your gut are really going to determine they're forming and creating that poop. You know, they're really going to determine what your poop is going to be doing. You know, so that's a big indicator of what's going on with the bacteria. Now, as far as the functionality of the system, there's also an emotional component. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to talk about that. And then there's also, you know, the stress component. And then there's also the right food component, which is an additional stressor. So you want to make sure that we have the ideal foods coming through. And that's where the experimentation comes from. You know, so again, for some people, this is going to sound way off the mark. And I I just hope that you um, appreciate and respect that I'm coming from a place of compassion. And please have compassion on me. But I was one of those staunch believers that, you know, eating eating some meat will back you up. I mean, it will completely clog you up, right? And I would just go around talking about how it stays in your gut all this time. And, you know, for some people, that's just not true. It's just not true. You know, the um, the Eskimos, for example, mm-hmm. that's all they eat. And they have regular bowel movements. It's just, it really depends on the bacteria first. And then eating the right foods that agree with your genetics and what's going on um, with you, with your unique experience here on the planet. So, if eating a little bit of animal foods is going to help actually help your digestion, I know it sounds crazy, but it might be something to look into. But on the other side, I'm just going to close that chapter and let's just put that off to the side, plant the seed and see what happens. But on the other side, let's look at having the right type of, of roughage coming through. It might not be like vegetable roughage that does it for some people. It might be the ground chia or the ground flax or it might be... Um, certain things that are coming from um, particular fruits that actually help them with their digestion. You know, we got we to we gotta experiment and, and, and move stuff around. Because for me, personally, I'll just tell you, like, eating a lot of salads in my life, and I've subsisted on salads for quite a, a long time, that doesn't have me, that doesn't have the ideal digestive effects for me. Yeah. For yeah, me, me personally, when I'm, if I toss two big tablespoons of flaxseed, ground flax into my shake, that that helps to really keep me regular and keep everything feeling good. You know, just that one little thing does it for me. It really helps out a lot. And, um, you know, for some people it might be the type of fiber that's found in maybe yams or sweet potatoes, for example. It just, there's so many things that we're so different. We have to have to have the ability again, and I'm just going to come back and say this to, to experiment, not be bound by religious thinking about our diet and do what is best for us so that we can, if vegetarian or veganism is your mission here on the planet, you have to be healthy first Absolutely. to go spread that. And Einstein said that we can evolve to a vegetarian diet. You know, it's going to be the best thing for our planet. Yeah. He didn't say do it now. We have to be <laughs> healthy first and figure this whole thing out and uh, <laughs> gradually even maybe changing our genetics and moving towards that way because, yeah. you know, you understand what I'm saying, Ronnie? Totally. And I know that quote very intimately. It's in my book. And, you know, what you just said was so paramount, and I, I never really looked into it deeper. I, and I know you're that kind of person, and it's actually inspiring me to to actually not generalize. Like, I'm not really one of those kind of religiosity type of people, but sometimes there's so much information coming that I'll try to encapsulate it in – you know, I don't have, you know, sometimes you don't want to have to like take the time to isolate certain things to really, you know, what's the real meaning going on in there. And what you said about Albert Einstein's quote about evolving to a vegetarian diet was very key because I think that's where it's going. And that's my message to people is like, move towards it. Don't, don't be dominated by it, but just allow it to move towards it and see where it takes you. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, that that I'm still kind of like tingling off that that <laughs> is that that is the crux of the matter right there is that there is no rules, there is no ideal framework and and like you mentioned earlier and this is something I've been saying too is that all the evolutionary theories and all that stuff on you know where we came from, what kind of food we're eating, that's all made up. Yeah. So we're, we're, I mean, we only have a, um, you know, not to go off on that tangent, but basically the idea is is just reinforcing everything you said, man. So brilliantly stated is that, you know, how does this feel in your body and that natural high that you get on on living foods, on superfoods, on herbs? That that to me is is just to allow you the experience to feel better. You know, people don't yeah. feel don't do well because they don't feel well. So now that you know, now that you have that experience of feeling uh, a new zest for life, you have to you have to reintegrate it back into the body. You know, the physiology of it all. Yeah, and this is this goes back to even in our in our religious teachings and our religious books is, you know, not to be judgmental. And we want to really guard that for ourselves, you know, really look at, um, yeah, when I'm putting this food into my body that I'm experimenting with, am I judging myself? Because that's going to, that's going to change that experience for you right there in and of itself, because your mind is incredibly powerful. It could turn your food into poison, Yeah, you know? So doing it, when I say really feel how things feel in your body, I'm also talking about Doing it from a non-judgmental place, allowing it to to, to 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 for your body to communicate and come into interaction with this without your judgment. Mm. You know that's very very important because somebody might be like, "Well, I tried this." Um, you know, there's I just saw one of the raw bras. They were talking about <laughs> colostrum the other day. You know, uh-huh. and you know we were emailing back and forth or whatever, and um, I, I clicked on one of his videos. And he was talking about colostrum. So somebody might try and be like, you know, well, it didn't make me feel this or that, you know, who, who didn't believe in it in the first place and, and actually was against it. Yeah. Rather than just feeling it, which it might be something that's problematic for you, for you, you know, if you, if you have these, uh, if it doesn't really resonate with your body. But again, to bring up my, my family, you know, my close family, my wife and my beautiful mother-in-law in, in Kenya – colostrum was like that was the deal that was like their fermented thing they would actually take that and it would be this fermented drink you know and it was just like there was no none of these diseases of civilization that people have here i mean her her grandmother lived to be like i don't know 90 something or whatever out and just like making food every day and you know just like no health problems at all you know and that's kind of commonly seen, except but then there's parts of the culture who were doing the the the, the new things and, and drinking the Coca-Cola and all that the stuff trying to be like, you know, Americans and whatnot. But it really goes back to, you know, what's right for you, what's right for you. So doing it from a non-judgmental place is, is really I feel that that's enlightenment. Or yeah, a big lightening, lightening up. Yeah. um, That's so key. I did an interview with my good friend uh, Steve Adler. He owns Sacred Chocolate. And he said he we were talking about the same thing because I was like, why? You know, what what's your perspective on all this anti cacao nonsense? And he's like, the reason all that takes place is because people are so wound up in their head. They're out of their heart. And he said the only sin of a child of God is judgment. Wow. I was like, and ever sacred since Steve. sacred Steve, yeah, and ever since then, every day, I'm like, no judgment. Like this whole judgment thing is erroneous. Yeah, I, I have to agree with him. That's that's beautifully said. Yeah. Well, um, I I am so glad that I got you on the call today. This was this was phenomenal. You gave me some new some new tips and ideas that um, just a new way to to. Um, to look at it, to scope it out. And I I think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people. So thank you so much. Where, where can, where can people get a hold of you? Well, we've got an amazing site. It's actually, it's not a website. I tell people it's not a website. It's an experience. Yeah. Over at my site, it's the Sean Stevenson model.com or just to make it short, the SS, which is my initials, the SS model.com. 
and we've got my my show over there, which is doing great. We were top eighty in iTunes for health uh, last week. We've got tons of free articles and videos, and just really awesome stuff that you know I put my heart and soul into to really help people. And there's there's something there for everybody, you know. So that's where people can can connect with me and, and check out my work. Mm, right on. And uh, you are also so. Um, your your clinic, I assume, is the Advanced Integrative Health Alliance. Yeah, yeah. So we're here in St. Louis, Missouri, and I still do work with patients um, a lot less than I used to, you know, because um, I'm really focusing on teaching teachers, you know, really getting the leaders to step up nice. and getting this information in their hands, and that's what I'm really passionate about. But I still love that one-on-one and, and working with people and, and getting them from, you know, the place that they are currently at to where they know and deserve to really be so okay right on well thank you so much for joining us awesome thank you so much ronnie absolutely all right everybody this was another edition of the expanded health and human potential radio show with our guest sean stevenson a wealth of knowledge and insight i hope you guys enjoyed it and we will catch you guys next time